0: Good morning and welcome to day two of our daily devotions. This week we're making our way through Ephesians with a particular interest to examine the liturgical elements in this letter. This letter, which is really a sermon from Paul, it would have been read aloud in a communal gathering and it has language and styles in it to aid and deepen that worshipful experience all of which strengthens his message to these churches, which were mostly made up of Gentile converts. Yesterday, we looked at the benedictions, the opening and closing greetings from Paul, and noticed that they pack a punch as Paul embeds the gospel in these very short verses and tailors them. He tailors these conventional forms to highlight the place of Jesus in their experience of salvation. Today, we're looking at hymns and psalms. We get a sense of the worshipful gatherings of the early church when we read passages like the one we read yesterday from chapter 5, where Paul encourages them to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an explicit teaching on worshipping with hymns and psalms, but there are also less direct ways where we can infer Paul's encouragement to worship in song. Today, we're focusing on chapter two, verses 14 to 18, which is a fragment of a hymn woven into the body of the letter. Before we read this passage, it might be helpful to remember that for centuries, the Jewish community wove hymns and psalms into their corporate worship. Jewish songs and psalms had a distinctly theological content and aimed to inspire praise for God and build up the faith of the worshipping community. Lots of the New Testament hymns echo that Old Testament tradition where hymns and psalms served a confessional purpose which celebrated God's mighty saving acts. For the Christian worshipper, hymns and psalms uh, were and have been distinctly composed to appeal to this God, the faithful God of Israel, as the loving and faithful Father. But in the New Testament, his nature is always known and revealed to us in Jesus Christ. So we see again, Paul taking what was familiar in worship, but he uses it to enhance his gospel message as he directs these traditional forms to the worship of Jesus Christ, who has been God's instrument of salvation. Well, chapter one, verses three to through to 14 is thought of to be actually an outburst of praise. I'll let you glance over those verses on your own. It's actually one long sentence where Paul praises God for blessing believers with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you've ever had to read these um, verses out in church, you'll know how hard it is to read because it's just so unrelenting. But in the Greek, it has a rhythm to it as Paul praises God for all he has done in Christ. I'm not gonna go any further with that particular passage today because while it is incredibly rich and profound, it's not classically described as a hymn. But I do hope you read through it from now on, imagining Paul praising God with these words. But for a better example of a hymn fragment, we're going to read chapter two, verses 14 to 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one And peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Well, the He Himself part is Jesus Christ. The previous verse, before Paul slips into this hymn, says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It is then as a result of Christ's sacrifice that these Gentiles who, Paul writes, were once separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant, are now not without hope or without God. Jesus himself is now their peace as he reconciles both Jew and Gentile with God the Father, where law and regulations once kept a dividing wall between them in Christ, Through the cross, a new humanity has been created. One body, who through Jesus, now have access to the Father by the Spirit. This reality in the new creation Paul describes as God's promised peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is echoed in these hymnal verses, recalling an Old Testament promise of a Messiah that would be the bringer of peace. It reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this fragment of a hymn that we read in Ephesians chapter 2 which Paul embeds in the rest of the letter, captures both the fulfilment of God's promise to the people of Israel in Jesus and the significance of his death for the whole world as he unites all nations and tribes in this one salvation event. Gentiles are not simply grafted into the people of God, but this very faithful God of history has done a magnificent new thing in Jesus as he brings together this new humanity, a unified body that is reconciled to himself. The implications of this then naturally follow. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Well, what a powerful moment of instruction and worship These truths are to be the content of their worship, indeed our worship, sung to declare God's goodness to us in Christ, peace, but also to move us to express profound unity with our brothers and sisters in the faith. If you want to go further with this theme today, you could search through Ephesians for references to Psalms. And also notice how Paul weaves not only hymns, but also psalms into his letter, a sermon used for corporate worship and edification. He wants to build them up. These psalms that once anticipated are a Messiah are the very psalms that Paul uses to speak of Jesus Christ. As we explore these hymns and psalms in Ephesians, we should feel with more gravity the incredible work of Christ who fulfilled the promises of our faithful God, the God of Israel, who did indeed work to redeem his chosen people, but who also extended his household, so to speak, to share his kingdom blessings with every nation and tribe. I pray you feel moved today to worship God for his incredible gift of peace and also encouraged to think about ways to express this unity to which we have been called. God bless you and I'll see you again tomorrow.